0: The Chief Information Security Officer CISO is responsible for the vision, strategy, and program to ensure protection of information assets and technologies. As it relates to policies, vendor management, data breaches, and reporting to the board of directors, the CISO also plays an integral and sometimes overlapping role with that of the Chief Privacy Officer to protect the brand and reputation of an organization. So what exactly is the CISO's role and responsibility as it relates to the increasingly intertwined issues of security and privacy? Let's add data protection to the to complicate the discussion for a good measure. In this podcast for Future CISO, we are joined by Vincent Gold, Senior Vice President for Asia-Pacific and Japan with CyberArk, on the topic of CISO in the crosshairs of security and privacy. Vincent, welcome to Podcast for Future CISO.
1: Hi, Alan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to see you again.
0: In terms of security and privacy, what's the difference exactly between data security and data privacy?
1: Ah, That's a good question, Alan. In fact, if I could sum it up in a short statement and we'll get into the details. The difference is really between security and privacy is keeping it safe versus keeping it private. Security is often about protecting data from malicious threat, whereas privacy is about using the data responsibly. And uh, you know, if you look at security, it's always about focus on preventing unauthorized uh, access, fire breaches or leaks. And uh, you know, privacy is really concerned about what kind of information an organization processes, store and transmit. So that's the the primary difference.
0: What are the various struggles, though, that the CISO will face when it comes to ensuring data security and data privacy? And what has changed in the last couple of years of the pandemic?
1: You know, Alan is, uh, you know, when I think about the CIO and the CISO's role and how it has evolved in the last 10 years, it has actually changed a lot. I mean, if you think about it, CISO wakes up, there's three things. On his mind, uh, obviously the small It's not exhaustive, but I look at it from a three eye. I call them the three eyes, right? Number one is infrastructure. Uh, they have to ensure all the layers from storage to servers to operating system, endpoints, network, application, you name them. There's a whole list of things that they have to secure. And the second eye is what I call the identity. Right, but after all, what are information good if you can't be accessed by uh, people and, and machines? And and now again, right, it, it used to be just human, they are accessing information. Today, that's not the case. You know, applications work with each other, they access information with each other. Machines and uh, with RPA, robots are now also entities that the organization has to handle. And lastly, while they are looking internally with infrastructure and identities, they have to continue to update themselves with innovations. What cloud is bringing to their company, what SaaS... Uh, infrastructure as a service platform as a service they need to understand DevOps they need to understand zero trust so these are the various roles that the CISO has to play and you can imagine huge job there's a lot of complexity inside so if I were to say what are the common struggle faced by a CISO to ensure data security then later we'll quickly touch on data privacy now security threats are on an all-time high right now you know COVID drove a lot of digital transformation which created a different set of problem and, and I'll talk about it later But if you think about what a hacker wants to do when it comes to an environment, they really want to do four things, and it's four words: it's block, lock, stop, and steal. And and, and let me explain, right? Block is DDoS. Example, they want disable the organization ability to function with technology. Lock, as you can imagine, is suggesting ransomware, locking your data and asking for ransom stock, which is what we have been hearing for the last 10 years, zero-day malware, advanced persistent threat. Hackers want to, uh, you know, reconnaissance inside the environment to try to get more information. And ultimately, still, whether it's financial, you know, money or data, uh, there's an objective in doing all that. So these are the roles that the hacker wants to kind of do when they come into your environment. And the CISO needs to think about how to prevent all that. So it's a lot of work. I think the other two things that are struggle is there's also a clearly lack of cybersecurity talent globally. Right. It's a very fast growing industry and takes a long time to train a solid, strong cyber security talent. So supply seems to be a big shot versus the demand. And the very last struggle is stress from the responsibility of avoiding operational disruption, financial losses, legal issues, compliance penalty, you name them, right? So there's a lot of work that the CISO has to do today.
0: No wonder the CISO gets paid the big bucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And they deserve it if you ask me, right? And if I could uh, address the second kind of question you asked was, uh, how has it changed with the pandemic? I don't think it really changed that much, but rather accelerated the effects. As companies are forced, you know, when the uh, onset of COVID two years ago to move into a digital transformation and people have to work from home, right? Then in the past, there were pre-COVID days, there were employees that simply don't even have a laptop. They come to the office, they get their work done, they go home, and, and that changed tremendously. Right? So with that move with are forced to deal with this uh, remote workforce that they didn't anticipate and a lot of the traditional uh, strategy focused on perimeter defense and protecting people within the company's network and boundaries. But now they need to think about extending the capability to using cloud services and how do you protect remote workers? And adding that the fact that there's an increase of endpoints such as laptops, smartphones and tablets. For the last 10 years we have this thing called BYOD, I'm sure you heard of this own device. I used to uh, tease the, the the CISO community is that it's a bring your own disaster, right? Because basically when endpoints were introduced to the network, it, it actually neutralized the network protection capability because it's usually, you know, bypassing the traditional network such as VPN. Right. So all these uh, changes really increases the attack surface tremendously and the gaps in the security processes became a lot more obvious. So the pandemic has really accelerated the issues and uh, You know, the blind spots uh, for all the CISOs in the organization because of the move to uh, work from home.
0: I wanted to touch base with you about this overlapping roles, which I mentioned earlier, where the chief privacy role, if it exists in an organization, how does the CISO perform his function without overstepping the bounds of his or her responsibility?
1: Yeah, in principle, if you look at their roles, they are actually quite different. Right? Like I said earlier on, privacy is about using information responsibly, keeping it private, and then the security is about keeping it safe. In many ways, they are complementary. and They should be a collaboration, not competition. Right. If you think about what are the challenges on data privacy, especially with the pandemic, as consumers move from physical transactions because there, there were a lot of lockdowns, people couldn't go out and do things and many services were not available. They start migrating their, their capability to online transaction, and more people are submitting confidential data online because it has to be the case. And IDC research actually shows that by 2025, the collective sum of the world data will reach 180 zettabyte, And that's equivalent to 180 billion terabytes. So if you buy a 1 terabyte portable hard disk and multiply by 180 billion, it will cover the whole of Indonesia. I mean, that's the kind of amount of information. Now, think about the propensity of those information being misused. Right? And of course, uh, a chief privacy uh, officer has to be concerned about that because that can result to penalty or even you know PR embarrassment. So primarily, the chief privacy officer's job uh, is really about dictating internal policies and programs and ensure data is used in ways agreed by the user. And also making sure that company departments who are using those information are compliant with the local privacy laws and, and even international laws and regulations. And then thirdly, really creating awareness to educate internal departments of the importance of privacy. And then lastly is to balance the cost of maintaining privacy versus the company business objective. Whereas if you look at the CISO's role, it's really about building and managing system to protect the company's data, right? And secondly, to respond to infiltration attempts and remediate if need be. And then lastly, of course, to train internal employees of cyber risk best practice. So these two roles are clearly defined and they work together, not so much in a, a, a competition, really in collaboration. So for example, the CPO may like to know what are the technologies out there to help that the data are not being misused. And that's the CISO's role. So they work together to make sure they achieve
0: own Our original topic is CISO, the crosshairs of security and privacy. From an infrastructure perspective, what needs to happen for the CISO to maintain the separation of the two, if that's at all possible?
1: There are many things obviously they, they have to do, but if I were to look at some of the basic things pertaining to an infrastructure, I would say number one, believe it or not, is you always have to be very diligent in doing the basic hygiene. Stuff, you no know, configuring your system properly you you wouldn't uh, believe right one of the biggest issues is people buy the latest and the greatest but they are not often configured to do the job well right? so even as basic things patching servers making sure that when there's a patch you, you actively do it right? so these are basic hygiene things teaching your users how to recognize what is a phishing attack how not to fall into it so those are things that are very basic infrastructure things that the CISO has to do and because of the massive work from home scenario like right? securing endpoint became a lot more important than anything else. And and thirdly, is actually to back up regularly. And lastly, I would say that utilizing technology to make sure that we can help the CPO, the chief privacy officer, to identify information that are used that could be related to privacy. And if there are kind of uh, suspicion of being misused, the system could actually send an alert. So there's some of the things that they can look at.
0: There's a, several reports out there coming out regarding transparency and trust as key priorities for consumers in 2022. How can businesses build and maintain trust effectively?
1: Yeah, first of all, I think businesses should keep in mind that the customer privacy should come before profitability. Because data is more than business lifeline. And uh, you've got to treat it with respect or lose it. I think there were some clear examples recently, for example, with Facebook, right? And how information were being used. And uh, you, you can see that the customers and the consumers responded uh, with a fair bit of uh, energy and around it, right? Secondly, I think it is to be honest and transparent about what data they are collecting from the customer and how it is being or intend to be used. And thirdly, is to build an internal culture that uses this kind of data effectively and responsibly so that consumers have confidence that the company are doing it in trustworthy ways.
0: What are your tips for the so to continue to be effective in 2022
1: onwards? Yeah, Alan, I don't pretend to be the expert, but I'm happy to share a few thoughts and experience just from Thanks. my own uh, work experience. I think number one is to be constructive paranoid. And I think people need to always adopt a assume-rich scenario. I always give this example right if you go back home say you live in a place where uh, your home is kind of a bit isolated if you go back home thinking having the feeling or the gut that someone broke into your home do you go in with a bouquet of flower or baseball bat you know I mean the way you approach your own systems and how you wake up thinking about what position you are in dictates the way you respond on a daily basis and I think it's important to always do what we call a defense in depth right with a strategy when it comes to cyber security it's not about a single layer and it's it's not about a single pillar right? it's really about a horizontal approach to looking at every single thing like I, early on, like I said earlier on about infrastructure and also identity right and then even within every single pillar you've got to kind of think about what is the next step what is the next step so there's always this concept of defending in all different angles right? I mean in, in a, maybe probably a, 10 years ago it was always surprising a lot more surprising right now but I, you know, back then we sometimes hear people say oh you know what I have fire oh I'm good and then that's really not the case right because you got to really think deeper and also it helps to also raise employees awareness cyber security to do's and not right so be constructive paranoid always making sure that you want to assume a bridge position secondly is once you think that people are in you got to think like that you got to think like an attacker for example right? so best practice for example do things like conducting red team exercise because then you can you know hire people to do this kind of exercise to make sure that you can uh, look at where some of the gaps and the blind spots in your implementation and remember it's a journey never a destination it's not implementing something and thinking that it's done it's a constant reviewing of the processes and the strategy and the implementation to make sure that it is also uh, following and keeping up to date to the latest change so those are things that they can do and lastly i think more important than ever with the work from home scenario is recognizing identity now is the new parameter right and all identities can be privileged identities under a certain condition. And in the old days, only the system administrators are the most powerful users because they are considered privileged users they have the control of everything in the system but today someone who is in marketing who owns the LinkedIn profile of the company is considered a privileged user because imagine that account being hacked and what people could use the account to do things so I think a couple of uh, good suggestions would be mm, definitely use strong passwords and change them regularly especially privileged credentials secondly is use multi-factor authentication and and I think more and more so now with the zero trust concept adopt the least privileged approach especially on endpoints and what I mean is Don't give privilege to users, you know, if you don't have to. And don't provide standing access, meaning forever access, right? Use just in time. Give access only when they are required and remove them when they are no longer in use. And those are some of the best practices that CISO can think about.
0: Uh, Sounds like there's a lot of work for the CISO role. I'm almost uh, sure I don't want the job despite the money. (laughs) Again, constructive paranoia. That's something to add to my new vocabulary. Thank you very much for that, Vincent. As always, thank you for joining me on Podchats for CISO. Thank you, Ellie. That was Vincent Ko, Senior Vice President, Asia Pacific and Japan for CyberArk on the topic of CISO in the crosshairs of security and privacy. You are listening in the Podchats for future CISO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, Simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter, so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future Cecil. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Cecil. Bye for now.